0: Hello, Assassins. Gargoodon on here, and welcome to episode 16, as well as the first episode of the Memory Corridor for 2021, here on The Ones Who Came Before. Now, today, for the first time ever, I am not going to be hosting the podcast and carrying the discussion. Instead, I am now going to give the word to guest host, Mr. Kyle Marvel. Hey, everyone. It's Kyle here, a.k.a. Mr. Marvel.
1: You may recognize my voice from the last episode where I appeared as a guest or from the other videos I've posted here on The Ones Who Came Before, and I'm glad to be guest hosting this episode of The Memory Corridor this time out. And joining me is Locus. Hey there, guys. (laughs) Together, we are going to be digging deeper into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the pros, the cons, and whatnot. But just before we do, could you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Locus, and how you're involved in the AC community? Sure. uh, Thank you for having
2: me, (laughs) and for anything else.
1: Um...
2: I'm a I'm a, a Twitch streamer and YouTuber, um, mainly focused on Assassin's Creed content, but I do many other things. Um, I mainly focus on Assassin's Creed, you know, because it, it, it's the franchise that I fell in love with in 2007, uh, back in the good old days. And yeah, I've always wanted to do something uh, to give to the community. And uh, I mean, uh, streaming and YouTube, that's what I chose to do. <laughs>
1: Good stuff, good stuff. So, with all that out of the way, let's hop and board our long ship and sail into the ocean that is this topic. So, first things first, what did you make of Valhalla's story? Well, I really... I was afraid at, at the beginning. I was very cautious about the story. Uh, but in the end, I really enjoyed it. Uh, what did you think? Well, yes, I... I enjoyed a lot of the... Sort of hidden one elements and sort of the connections and connecting the dots to previous games. I thought that was a welcome addition, considering we just had Odyssey. And whatnot. <laughs> um, I did. There's so many things to love, like Eivor, the settlement and whatnot. Um, but I think it overall is a little bit too long for all the alliances. I, yeah, I, that's some of the that's Something that I that I
2: felt when playing the game, like some of the arcs. Uh, Now the story is divided into arcs, if you don't know. Um, And some of the arcs just felt like those Naruto episodes, right? Where, like, nothing happens. (laughs) It's like you spent, like, uh, I I don't know how much time, but, like, let's say two hours playing that arc, and then in the end, it doesn't amount to basically anything, and it's just there, like, to pad out the story, which is like... uh... You know, I, I, I kind of wanted to see more of, like, oh, I want to see what Bassam is doing. I want to see uh, what uh, some something more with Sigurd or anything. But sometimes just meeting, like, these characters uh, that are there for Eivor, you know, like, I, I didn't feel like it brought too much. Uh, it, it brought stuff to the story, but it just, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's needed
1: for me. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I feel like, like, they... Should have had an alliance per kingdom, so four alliances, yeah. basically, and then possibly optional ones to do that you didn't have to do. and Those optional ones could have helped you later on in the war, that last battle, basically, yeah. it would have been optional, which could have cut down the uh, hours <laughs> played that time. But o- overall, like from start to finish, it was quite an interesting story with, um, yes. with yes. Bacine. Like you said, though, I wanted to see more of Bacine
2: the thing like one of one of the things that I've thought is that they could have connected more more gameplay elements to the story uh, like for example you in nor generally speaking in the arcs you're trying to make an alliance to form an alliance uh, yeah. and many times you're you're, you're raiding the territory <laughs> that's is ruled by the guy <laughs> that you're trying to form an alliance with and it's like i understand why it isn't there but it's kind of like the it's the clash between the RPG assassin's creed right cuz if it if it was like a just a normal RPG you would probably like talk to to the to the Thane or whatever and he'd be mad at you for raiding uh, his territory and stuff like that which is difficult uh, which would make it difficult to form an alliance and stuff like that. But uh, it, in Assassin's Creed, they can't really do that because they're trying to build to build like a more uh, linear story. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think the story then suffers a little bit because I've just raided like this guy's 15 monasteries and the guy's just like, hey, Amor, what's it going? How's it going? <laughs> That's
1: the main part of the middle of the game, like going to all these alliances and stuff, like you say, it. if they would have just concentrated on like three or four different alliances, yeah, like it, it would have been a better experience. And and again, we had like 45 targets to kill. And I get that they was trying to tell us that the order of the agents runs deep in society, so there's like bakers and swordsmiths and whatnot who are uh, who are part of the order of the agents. But that was far too many. Yeah. I think it was 45
0: targets.
2: Yeah, and many of them are just like, you can read, like, reading those elements like, is fun. Yeah. But generally speaking, I'm not going to sit there and, like, read all these notes about these people and then just get there and, like, and ju- it's just a dude on a bench. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and get there and, and just, like, press a button and he's dead or she's dead. Uh, and it's like, okay, like, Sure, that element is there and I appreciated it, but I think uh, it didn't add much uh it didn't add much to the game. I feel like it could have been done much much better if they if they narrowed down the number of, of order of the ancients members uh yeah. gave them gave them like maybe maybe some quest lines to do. Um
1: yeah, cuz uh, you don't care about killing them really, do you? Yeah, yeah. Like really. the previous uh, early games.
2: Yeah, yeah. You don't care. Like, you're just doing it for the medallions to give to Hytham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, like, going back to, to the thing you said, like, about the, the arcs, uh, I think that your idea was pretty great. Like, narrow down the number of arcs mm. and just making the alliances more meaningful uh, would probably be much better. I, I I felt like when I saw that the the minute I realized that I went to the map and I realized that every arc is like one territory in the map. Yeah. I'm like, holy, this is gonna take a while. But if the story follows the at that point, I was like, okay, the story is actually going pretty well. I'm really invested in the story. Like, yeah, it, it's it's it it builds well. But then the first filler arc hit for me, and I was like, uh, "Okay, okay, that's 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 how they did it." Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: It, what the what, what early... was your? Sorry, sorry, interrupter. So what was your was. Your favorite alliance, by the way? Hmm. My favorite, oh, probably,
3: uh, probably uh, with uh, Stowe uh,
2: in London. Oh yeah. yeah, that's probably one of my favorites because it, it's like. You get to London and it's like... Assassin's Creed again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a felt like that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that is one of the better ones. For sure. Yeah. Which is like... It
2: it really shows you... Just how... like Assassin's Creed doesn't really fit... Into an RPG kind of setting. Because... Yeah. Like... So many... So many times... uh, in my in my missions, like I, I, I mean, my my playstyle usually is like try to stealth as much as possible. Uh, even though it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be averse kind of thing, uh, but I try to stealth as much as possible. And in this case, uh, the RPG environment just like really, um, how how am I gonna put this? It just allows too many bugs to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's you, true. It adds so many variables to something, and it's just like so many assassinations have just looked terrible. <laughs> it's just like yeah. I bugged through like a, a wall, and now the guy knows where I am, and I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, okay. And, and the thing is, like in previous Assassin's Creed, it's like, you could go, okay, I'm going to restart Checkpoint, I'm going to do this. Just, just right. I'm gonna do it like an assassin. And now you can't even do that. Like you might even load a save from before. You could do that, but I'm not really the type of uh, the type of person to just like autosave all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had to have it on autosave because the game crashed on me like 20 times. <laughs> oh, oh. But
2: yeah. I, I actually, didn't. I wasn't really affected that much by crashes. I think I think the game crashed for me like two times.
1: You're but lucky, <laughs> you were lucky. I'm on the PC. Where, where, oh. Okay. Where are where you playing? I was only playing on a PS4, so that's. why. Yeah,
2: uh, right. yeah, yeah. I think the the consoles have a lot of a lot of issues there.
1: Um, going back to the story, what was sort of your impressions on how the game ended? Like three. Parks, how they ended and the build up to it. Also the Asgard parts. Like, what did you think of the Asgard parts and then leading to the end? Well, I understand. I mean, I felt like the
2: Asgard was completely unneeded. I felt like uh, I understand why. I understand why it's there and why they did it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't feel like it's needed. Uh, to me, like I'm playing, I'm, I'm playing Assassin's Creed and. Having all of this fantastical stuff, it, even though it's a dream, you know, I understand. But then the gameplay elements that, that tie into Asgard, it's like, if I'm playing a story that it's very linear in that space, then, then okay, then I'd be yeah. fine with it. But the way they do it, like the big map with a lot of verticality, you have to run around a lot, you have to yeah. go on your elk a lot, and it's like, it, it just gets tiring and it's like it's 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 that kind of feeling that we've been playing these these 100 hour um, adventures, 100 plus hour adventures, and Asgard connects really well to you know what happens uh, in with the Isu, and it has like the, these these really cool parallels of the story. But it's just like, eh, do, do, did you really need to tell that? Like a yeah. like, really big environment over like a lot of hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just felt like too much uh, in my opinion for the Asgard
1: stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, what about the free endings then? Or well, the way the story played out towards the end? Well, regarding Eivor's story
2: I felt like the the story just kind of stopped, you know. Like <laughs> you were, you know, Eivor fights. You know, like he he, he fights with his friends, with his alliances. You know, ha- has a very big fight, and then it just like kind of stops. Like okay, Eivor now is in the settlement. Um, of course, other st- uh, other stuff happens, but it's just like there's no that there's no uh, thing that you can actually say. This is the end of Ivor's story, Yeah. and I think I think they're going to continue it on the DLC, uh, which you are going to talk about later. Yeah. Um, but the I, I really liked the the order of the ancients ending. Yeah. With the revelation uh, that um, uh, Alfred is basically the the first Templar. Oh, I, I, yeah, I agree. That was a good moment. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a pretty, pretty spot-on, uh, congrats, Darby. <laughs> um, and, um, for the other ending, like, I, I was really, for, for the other stuff that happened, e- even connecting to the modern day in the Grand Temple and everything, uh, with Loki and Odin being, uh, basically o- Eivor Sigurd and Basim and being sages, yeah. For Odin, Tyr, and Loki, that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Like the whole setup at the end really made me uh, like reminisce about the good old days. You know, like when you had that ending that was an actual event. You know, yeah. Because in, in the in the good old Assassin's Creeds, like the ending was an event. Like everybody would be like, okay, turn the TV off. I'm gonna watch this ending, and we're gonna be. To the screen, you know, watching the ending, seeing what's going to go on, and and I feel like this ending did that, and it really left me with more questions than answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only bad. Yeah, especially yeah. Spe- especially with like the uh, the 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 right? I guess I should say Loki uh, talking with Rebecca and Sean at the end. It's like, okay, what's he going to do with the animal? must now? Yeah, with, with that Tasha,
1: was it like a <laughs> Yeah. Or, it's a <laughs> science, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Last thing you'd expect him to wear. True, but I think, I
2: think, I don't think he's going to play too much of a role, like in future Assassin's Creed. I think we're going to see what's going to happen, like in the DLCs, I think. Something is going to happen, I don't know, because I don't... I don't really see Loki being like some kind of a yeah. protagonist or, I mean, I think they're going to find another protagonist for the modern day, unless we just yeah. start following Rebecca and Sean around, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, what did you make of the Lyla? Well.
2: I, I mean, I wasn't a very big fan of Layla, <laughs> yeah. if I'm to be honest, I, I wasn't a very big fan. And here, like, my opinion doesn't really change that much, because, you know, uh, in these in these three games, I don't feel like Layla did enough, I mean, they could have explored the modern day a lot more, uh, in Origins, in Odyssey. Yeah. Um, Way more than they did. And I think Odyssey just like hurt the character way much, like like, way too much. Um, And in the end, like in in Valhalla, I don't think she, like the character just had a chance. I mean, at least for me, like it's just my opinion. Yeah, Uh, but it was was interesting with, well, well, it was Desmond, wasn't it, at the end
1: there? Yes, yes, the reader, yeah. Uh, It'd be interesting to see where that goes. But yeah, um, overall, I think the story was good, it's a step in the right direction, but I would have liked more head one order, order of the Ancients or Templar yeah. elements, but it was just a little bit too long because because of the alliances,
2: really. Yeah, yeah.
1: Could have done and, with trimming a bit of
2: fat. Yeah, and, and, and of course, like, the story suffers, I think. Uh, I think... Obviously when you say a game has to be an RPG like that, a very big open world RPG that you can just explore at will at all times, one hundred percent. I feel like it hurts everything that you can do. Like you you can't really go for a full linear story because because people might be distracted and when they come back to it they don't they don't remember what's going on. Um, you have uh, you have RPG elements that then don't connect very well to the story. Um, yeah. you know and I think I think I think uh, the, the, the story is is good, but it, it could have been better. Yeah, I feel, really I feel like if I frame if I frame this story in a let's say like unity kind of game, um, I think it would have been like probably one of the best games to ever come out. <laughs>
1: Fair, fair enough, fair enough, so um, I think yeah, we'll move on to the sort of the gameplay and combat now. What was your sort of favorite new elements that Valhalla brought and your sort of your least favorite in terms of the gameplay combat? In terms of combat, like I really liked
2: how the, the weapons just are heavier now and um, they feel heavier and you can actually feel the hits on the enemies and there's, a, there's actually a lot more gore like the 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 viking (laughs)
1: viking combat brought to the max yeah the close-ups shots were pretty
2: good yeah even though even though like i feel like uh, gameplay wise i feel like though when they manipulate your camera like that i feel like uh when you do a lot of them for example it it, it used to happen to me because the way i the way i usually play the combat is very uh I, I try to parry, and then um, not really like spam the buttons. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very like wait and see kind of player. Uh, and what happened many times is I have like three stun attacks that I can do, and if I did one after the other, it's just like the camera just like zooms in, zooms out, zooms in, zooms out, and it's like it's too much. I think I think they. There's a lot of camera fiddling there, like when you do the abilities as well, the camera like zooms out and then zooms in. I feel like yeah, that stuff just like it. I think it's just a little bit too much. Because um, you know, I think of other vi- of other video games that have like really great combat. Like, uh, I've actually been playing a lot of Sekiro. Oh yeah, and Sekiro's combat is pretty great. And, like whenever you do like abilities and you know, when you jump uh, to the enemy and when you parry and stuff like that, or, or I should say deflect, um, the, the camera doesn't really manipulate all that much, Ma- mainly because it's distracting for the player and, you know, Sekiro, I can understand because the game is freaking hard. <laughs> but yeah. uh, Valhalla... I couldn't finish that. I couldn't finish that game. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I actually finished it today. I, I, I got the first ending today, but, and I'm going for New Game Plus on that, but I, I feel like playing Sekiro and then Valhalla, it's like, I wish, I wish uh, Valhalla had, um, I don't know, like a little bit more sense of challenge, because I felt that the, the game was just a little bit too easy. Uh, I, I mean, you could, you could, I, I've, I've been streaming the game for, for quite a while, um, There's a lot of instances where I was just showing my viewers like a really good a really good way to to easily kill people. It's like you just build like stun like my 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 axe that I used was Varen's axe. It had like stun stun bonus or whatever, and it's just insane. Like you hit one guy with it, stunned immediately, and then you hit him again, stunned again. (laughs) the, The game just goes a little bit
1: too easy. Yeah, I found found out in the in the wolf boss battle. Oh. it's easier than I thought it'd be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just got to ration your um, arrows. A yeah.
2: Little bit. Which is another thing, like that's cool to think about. Like they they added one thing, which is very much uh, I don't know, probably the best word is inspired by from Sekiro, is the stamina. Like when when Eivor, like if you're blocking. And enemies are hitting you uh the stamina usually goes down until they deplete your stamina and you're basically open for attacks
3: yeah
2: uh, that's that's sort of like how Sekiro does it with posture um but the thing is I would have loved to see almost like a system where like you're you're a viking like you're a warrior like and even even Bayek like Bayek is a Magi, Cassandra is a mercenary um and Eivor is a Viking. They're all three warriors, and I kind of, I kind of would have loved to see like a, um, a better combat system, because like when you look at Sekiro, it's like a, 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 a dance of blades almost. Like you, you're, you're, you can actually feel like those enemies can fight, and they're giving you uh, a challenge. Um, and even the smallest enemies, you can have a small of dance of blades. Like it's not just like hit him in the head, boom, he's dead. <laughs> It's like, it's actually like blades clashing and, and I feel like that adds, even if it's easy, like, okay, it's easy, but it just adds that little extra spice on the combat, just makes it look better and just feel, like, feel, I, I guess the word, the, probably the, be, the better word is like, rewarding. In Valhalla, with, the, with all the, the combat situations, I, I loved the, the, the multiple enemies, I thought that was like a brilliant move. Having a lot of these enemies that have different abilities, and that you have to respond with uh, different things. But I feel like in the end, the simplicity of the combat just couldn't take take advantage of all those enemies. Anything
1: more you want to add on that? Like the parkour? Parkour wasn't so well,
2: different. Actually, was okay. in, in the in the combat, like you could you could also say like, <laughs> and this is all coming like just from playing Sekiro. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like because, for example, part of what Sekiro, part of what makes the, those games hard, is just like you not knowing your enemy. Once you know your enemy, it's pretty pretty easy, and you just need to, you know, be a little bit better at responding at their attacks. But what makes bosses challenging in Sekiro and other stuff is the the, the they have a very wide range of attacks very right range of abilities and moves that all need like different ways of dealing with them some some you need to jump some you need to counter some you need to deflect some you need to some you can explore some weakness like it can be a weakness to firecrackers or whatever to some tool you have and like in, in Valhalla I feel like the bosses are just like let's pick up what what dark souls or whatever has in bosses or what the Witcher 3 had in bosses and let's just keep it that way they added like the 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 weakness system which is okay just gives you a stun attack for free once you hit all of the the weak points but i feel like the the bosses are just way too predictable they don't change patterns of attack whereas like games like uh, dark souls and whatever that inspired all of these things They they actually change a lot of patterns, and they have phases. And in Valhalla, I feel like the bosses are just like, "Oh, it's a stone bear, and has 2,000 HP, and the the attacks are always the same." So now you just need to hit R1 and R2 and the abilities for I don't know, like five minutes, and it's done. Like I don't, I, I wanted to see more challenge, and I feel like. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that I would say that needs improvement for sure. I actually have like a clip of me, like in in my stream, like killing the stone bear in Jotunheim, and it's it, it's just like I'm just pressing R one over uh, and over <laughs> because I'm yeah. I'm just glued to his ass. <laughs> He's not doing yeah. anything.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll say that in your review. Was that in your review.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I put it up on my review because it's it's one thing that needs to be improved. It's like The Witcher Three had it simple. Yes, The Witcher Three had very simple bosses, but that was twenty fifteen, and I feel like I feel like if we're gonna get inspired by games in twenty twenty, I think we need to yes, be inspired. But I, I mean, I think at this point we should be better um, at bringing those systems like into like the future. Like, you think of better systems Uh, yeah i agree and that applies to everything like free running i feel like i feel like the decision
1: behind that like i I think every fan of assassin's creed is like
2: where's the free running yeah (laughs) well the thing is uh, if you go back to black flag there wasn't like they managed to it wasn't massive cities but the free running was still pretty good in black flag i thought yeah yeah because because it picked up the system and like, and it's still very fluid. Yeah. And e- even if the cities aren't just like, like have the same setup as Florence or Venice or even France, like you still had Havana to, to, to go around and it's pretty fun. Like you, and the, 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 the game is actually very well designed. Uh, Assassin's Creed liberation, uh, which, which was a game that really surprised me because it's a Vita game, like it was created for the Vita, but the levels are so well designed that the free running like really flows really well, like you in the in the in the rooftops uh, rooftops of New Orleans and even the bayou, like there's a the bayou of New Orleans, which is basically trees and swamps, and the the free running there is like amazing, which I mean. I think in this game, like in in Origins, Origins Odyssey, like Origins was obviously the beginning of the end <laughs> of the yeah. free running. System. I, I I I didn't like that too much because you know, I preferred the old style
1: of free running. True. Touch yeah. on a social stealth as well. We yeah, yeah. Social stealth. I really liked it. I I really liked what they
2: did with having. Um, Benches. You have drunks who you can pay. Yeah, that's to cool. <laughs> that was really cool. But I feel like the, the the stealth system was just a little bit too buggy uh, for it to shine. Because I feel like if the if the game was a little bit more polished on the stealth system, I feel like the social stealth probably would have shined a little bit better. Um, yeah, I never felt that encouraged to do social stealth. To be yeah. honest. Because because that's the, that's a the problem with such an open-ended RPG. Like you yeah. can do things so, like in so many ways that it's like, why am I going to spend time doing social stealth if I can just like
1: go in, call a raid, just yeah, kill everybody, exactly. in a few clicks? my <laughs> Viking. Yeah. Well, you yeah, I think I need to improve on that bit. I don't know how. Well,
2: I I, I mean aside from ma- not being a massive RPG. <laughs> yeah exactly that's the thing like for example in unity um for example Arno couldn't deal with unless you had like 50 million smoke bombs <laughs> but uh, imagine you don't have like that many smoke bombs basically what you needed to do was like okay i can't fight 10 guys at the same time so you either ran away or you just were really stealthy yeah. and i feel like that's what they need to do they need to design Situations like the black box missions were basically a very good example of that. That are specifically designed so you take advantage of the game's systems to complete an objective. You can go stealth, and like you could complete like any of the black box missions uh, in Unity by not stealthing. But I mean, the, the probably the target would just run away, <laughs> and <laughs> and fighting like ten dudes. If you can do that in Unity, then you're a god, because at, at some point they're going to start shooting you and attacking at the same time, and Arno can't really deal with that. So I feel like having a very easy combat system, a little bit of a flawed uh, stealth, I mean, flawed, I mean, it's just the bugs, I mean, I uh, since since the release, the patches were actually fixed some of my detection issues. Uh, and the open-endedness of the world just kind of like it just doesn't mix with social stealth but I'm really happy that they brought
1: it back yeah, Yeah, it's a step in the right direction like I think a lot of the story is connecting connecting some of the dots so what do you expect to see from the two DLCs coming out this year the Wrath of the Druids and the Siege of Paris in terms of sort of building a story and if the Hidden Ones will be involved or not I really don't know. I, I think Wrath of the Druids
2: will be more eivor focused. I believe. Uh, I have that feeling. I, I don't. I don't really know for sure, but that's the feeling that I that I'm getting. It's going to be more uh, focused on the Viking fantasy, uh, especially because it involves a lot of druids and and in Ireland and all of that. So I think that's going to be f- like almost. An alliance, another alliance. Let's say. Oh no, god! <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be more of that type, um, and I think the biggest one, which I mean, the the bigger the bigger DLCs tend to be the second ones. So that's True. why I'm leaning towards the Siege of Paris being like the DLC that really tells you the end of Eivor's story, and uh, and really adds a lot of stuff to the modern day as well and but i don't the only thing that i see the siege of paris doing with the hidden ones is probably you you probably have like members of the order of the ancients still alive in europe i guess
1: yeah paris yeah or the star of the temple as we know it possibly yeah, I I don't know where Alfred went.
2: I don't remember. He's baking bread. In the yeah, desert. he is bread. Yeah, that's why that's why I think that's why I think Paris is still gonna have Order of the Ancients. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm. But yeah, I think I think that's what we're gonna what we're gonna have. And of I'm course,
1: not it... sure. I'm not sure how involved the Hidden Ones will be, if if at all. Uh... Is Ava finally going to be a
2: hidden one, I don't know. Nah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no. I don't but, believe so. He was buried, like, he was buried in, 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 in America. Yeah. With this viking stuff, so, I don't really believe he, he's going to become a hidden one. It's just going to help Python with some stuff, probably. <laughs> if that's the case, like, uh, what, what? What's going on? Because <laughs> at the start of the game, I was hoping
1: the Hidden Ones would be more, more involved than just killing their targets. So I was hoping in the DLCs the Hidden One, but something to do with the Hidden Ones in the birth of the Templars would be part of it, but like you said, Wrath of the Druids is more of a, like, a fantasy thing, and Siege of Paris is a attack on a city, but like, there's probably not much room for it, is there? Yeah, I- yeah, that's, that's the...
2: I think we're going to have, like, very little. Just like in the game, you know? Mm. Like, Because even though the hidden ones are a part of it, it's not a very big part. Like, because it's... it's it, You have the Levant... The, the, the Levantine Brotherhood garbs, And, you know, Itham uses it. Uh, By- Bytham uses them. But it's, like, not much is there. Like, you have the... The bureaus, which is like really good, um, but yeah, yeah. besides from that, you don't really have that much. Like if you really think about it, but that's the thing. The the DLCs, it, it's a
1: really tough thing <laughs> to yeah.
2: predict.
1: Yeah. I wonder how long they'll be. Like, they're giving themselves a lot of time. One of them's like it's the Siege of Paris, like late next year, is scheduled for. So it's a, they've got a lot of time. So oh, they're yeah. probably quite lengthy. Yeah, I, I'd imagine, like, Wrath of the
2: Druids is going to be in Ireland, so it's a new chunk of the map. And then Siege yeah. of Paris, obviously Paris, which is probably going to be a very big chunk, chunk of the map as well. I don't know, like. What will happen to Eivor? Is... That's, that's the thing, like, I don't know what can happen to Eivor, like, poor guy <laughs> or girl. <laughs> um, like,. Everything's just already happened to him. He's a Sage of Odin. It was his mind was trying to be taken by Anisu. Um, he fought. He fought with with his alliances or hers alliances. Some Abasim tried to kill him. Uh, I, I should say Loki tried to kill him. It's it's. I don't know. I don't know what what can, what what, what other things can happen to Eivor. I don't. I don't. This is the part of of history that really. This is my mind because i only know about the former siege of paris because uh, there were several and this one i'm i'm not really sure like historically what happened
3: in this one so yeah. <laughs> i'm kind of blind well ragnar Lofbrook went in with his um you know
1: in a box mm. yeah <laughs> like I mean. the tv show <laughs> yeah sorry spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen that yet but... <laughs> Yeah, it, it will be. It will be interesting. It's just I want the story to progress with yeah. the hidden ones or the birth of the Templars, as we know it. That's that's what I want from him. But they are focused on two separate things: like wrath
3: of the Druids and Siege of Paris. It says exactly exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah,
1: we know what it's going to be. Yeah, that's that's why
2: I think it's just going to be very straightforward DLCs. And I, I think most of the mysteries will probably be in the modern-day uh, yeah. segment of the game. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, seeing how the modern day progresses. Yes, that, that's, I'm, that, that's, that's one of the, the things that makes me most excited about the DLCs. It's the modern day, like what, yeah. what Loki's gonna do and yeah. what he's plotting with Aletheia.
1: Yeah, that will be interesting. right, so um, let's touch on sort of the future of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Like, do do you think that the next game will follow in Valhalla's
2: footsteps? It will continue as an RPG? Or will it completely change and go back to its roots? Or anything in between? Well, I'm conflicted in that. Because, like, if it's what I want, like, my desire is I want it to go back to its roots. Or at least... Evolve from its roots, but yeah. keeping 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 the elements that made Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed. You know, the fight between Templars and Assassins, uh, free running, uh, stealth, and um, a better combat system. Uh, which, I, but what I what I think it will be, uh, I don't know. I I really don't want another RPG. (laughs) Yeah. To be honest. It's like, I feel like I I have this saying that we've been playing The Witcher 3 since 2015. So for five years, we've been playing the same game, which is obviously an exaggeration, but it's meant to be exaggerated like that. Like, 2015, we had The Witcher 3. 2017, we had Origins, I believe. Which is very heavily inspired by, by The Witcher Three setup, and then we had Odyssey and now Valhalla, and it's just like this kind of like setup of very big open world. It's just getting tired, and you see, and you see other games coming out with new interpretations of combats, like Sekiro and Ghost of Tsushima. Um, ...and different interpretations of what an RPG could be... ...or, or let's say, an open-world game could be. And I think, like, Assassin's Creed should try to evolve... ...instead of, like, playing it safe on the open-world setup that it has now. Um, Do I think it's going to stay the same? I don't know. I think it's going to change. Mainly because when the game was announced... Uh, at the time, the creative the creative director was actually saying that this was the end of an era for Assassin's Creed. I took it. I, I took it like, okay, so this is the end of an era. I hope it's the end of the open open world RPG kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause... The, tr- the trouble with that is, I think all three games have sold well, plus all the microtransactions. They've yeah. Made a yeah. lot of money. would they yeah. want to change? would they want to go back to its roots? But that's the thing like
2: i've always said that sure it made a lot of money but if you actually do something truly unique like why did assassin's creed become the phenomenon that it is it's because it was unique yeah, like it was something that no other game was doing and i feel like they are kind of going in reverse Whereas like gaming is becoming a lot more mainstream than it was, so sales are always going to go are always going to go up. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like if they really want to go nuclear, <laughs> like <laughs> let's say, like for example, imagine if Ghost of Tsushima was like uh, a, a PC game as well as PS5 and PS4 and Xbox. Like that game would blow up. It would sell like trillions yeah. of copies it would be insane and it, it it's just it's just a playstation exclusive but it really sold like crazy and without sales as well like without without uh promotions or discounts so i feel like assassin's Creed being like a, a, a non-exclusive game they have in their hands an ip that can be just so much more and can be so unique that it can just blow up again. Um, yeah. I agree. They, just to, they just need to be inspired by the... Be inspired by other games. Like, can, they can get inspired by Ghost of Tsushima now, but just make it Assassin's Creed. Just don't copy what Ghost of Tsushima was. And, uh... And just, like, go back to the roots, you know? Like, Give us some proper stealth. Give us some some really great combat. You know, because if they're really like scared of, okay, but some some gamers don't like to play stealthily. Okay, sure. Then give us like a very good combat system. Then maybe some people will be like, "Hey, fuck stealth. <laughs>
1: we don't care about that." Yeah, it's uh, certainly going to be interesting the next Assassin's Creed because, like you say. There was talk of it being the end of an era. Could they just be talking about Layla? I know they'll they say something could still happen with Layla. But like, will they go back to what it was, I, I've got to be honest, I'd like to see a game that's like linear story. Yeah. Assassin's Creed. Like, I love an open world as much as the next person. But it'd be interesting to see a game that's just a linear game. Yeah, there,
2: there's That's just great. there's just a lot of elements they need to polish up, like in terms of game design, in my opinion. Like, for example, uh, if you if you take a look at a game like Valhalla came out after Ghost of Tsushima, and if you look at, for example, uh, environments like world mobs, like in Valhalla you have constantly wolves and 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 bandits hiding in the bushes. And it's just like, you you go through them with your horse, and if you don't want to fight them, the problem is that the game slows down your horse, like you can't really... So the game is almost telling you, like, oh, here's a mob, you must fight it. And in Ghost of Tsushima, like, you don't have wolves to 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 fight you do you have like uh, uh, sometimes you see Mongols uh, uh, that have stolen uh, resources so they're like carrying a cart of resources and you must stop them if you want uh, you can challenge them to 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 fight or just take them out stealthily and then you can use the resources and collect them sometimes it's just prisoners and you can free the prisoners and stuff like that and I feel like In Assassin's Creed, it's just very simple. It's just like, oh, we need something to fight while you're exploring. Oh, wolf. (laughs) Or a lynx. Or it's like. And ever since Origins, I've been getting this feeling of playing like. In The Witcher, it makes sense. You're a monster hunter. So there's wolves, there's monsters to kill, and that are trying to kill you. So that actually makes sense. But it's like. In Origins Odyssey and Valhalla, it's just like, why are all the animals trying to kill me? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> like, and why am I killing so many animals? I always feel bad, because it's like, I don't want to fight! I don't want to kill your, I don't kill, I don't want to kill these wolves. <laughs> I've killed so many wolves. It's
1: crazy. Yeah, tell me about tell me about I think the game will change, but it's still going to remain an RPG. It yeah, change. Uh, they change a lot of the systems, and that it'll ultimately still be an RPG. The next one, I, I, yeah, I don't know.
2: Like I, I, think, be, but. I think, I think I need to be optimistic here, and I feel like <laughs> that, that's that's the, the kind of stance that I've been trying to take. Is like we don't know, but being the end of an era, and with all the 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 stinky executives gone, hopefully from. From Ubisoft's command, after all those, uh, all, all of that drama, drama that went on, um, I think that those executives kind of held the creative. They kind of held the creatives at Ubisoft. Uh, they they kind of strangled the creative juices. You know, that's why. That's why uh, uh, the the games turned to to what they are now. Um, and I feel like with them gone i feel like the creatives can be creative again and i feel like the franchise can go back to its roots they have immortals phoenix rising to be their open world rpg which is an amazing game was like my my surprise of 2020. it's like really good game and it's like okay you guys now have this very big open world rpg in immortals can we do something else with Assassin's Creed? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh my, that will be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's oh, what I'd love I want. To see it. Cause it, cause it's like, I'm trying to think like, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but all, all I want from the next Assassin's Creed is no more RPG stuff. Like no more choosing your own gender or whatever. It's like, just, if you want to, if the creatives, like if the writer of the story wants a female, a female protagonist, just let it, let the writer do it, Yeah. you know, like they already messed up or the origins uh, story uh, because of that. Um, did you know what, what happened?
1: Wasn't uh, Aya going to be more heavily involved or something? Yeah, basically,
2: basically, you know, you remember in the game where Layla needs to find another mummy and it needs to find Aya's mummy. Yeah, that that was basically because in the original story Bayek actually dies so there's no more memories to uncover for Bayek so that was like a little mid mid story twist that was planned which is like holy shit that would be truly unique that's never been done in Assassin's Creed and that's actually really cool but of course the game is an RPG you would lose all your progress it's like on your character so it's like all those things make they they, they take the, the the uniqueness possibility of games like these rpg elements and stuff like that so i feel like now is the time for the creatives to become creative and i think it's a really good time for assassin's creed to go back to its roots and recapture so many fans <laughs> that have like completely went off the the trail for the, for the franchise. Well, you're, you're exciting me now. This better <laughs> happen. <laughs>
1: oh, no, no promises. No promises. <laughs> but yeah, I, look, I've liked elements of all three RPG games. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, i I'll keep saying it. I would love it to go back to its roots like what you're saying. I'd love yeah, it. That's the thing that I've been saying. Like, like,
2: when I talk about, like, Assassin's Creed, like, in this very... Critical way, it's more because I, that's that's a franchise that I love. You know, like I want it to be better. Yeah, um, I don't want it. I don't want it to stay always that way. And I've I've always had stuff stu- like uh, criticism. I try to be as constructive as I can, and to to f- like almost form it as feedback uh, as much as I can, because I feel like sometimes we can't be we, we can't really be we can't have evolution if we're just saying oh this is great this is great this is awesome if if we want really things to move forward and and get better i think we need to be critical but like in a civilized way right not not just bash the people that are not at fault
1: for anything like that yeah and but, to be fair i think we've both sort of come across that way yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a discussion, to be fair. Like, I loved it. I loved a lot of the game. It's just so damn long.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The game the game in itself, like, when you think about the game, the game in itself is really great. Um, and I loved it. Um, both in Origins and in Odyssey, I had to take breaks because the game was just a little, was getting a little bit too boring of doing all the same things. But in Valhalla, I, had, I, I didn't take any breaks at all. And because the game was a little bit, little bit easier as well, so I was able to finish everything and collect everything in just under 100 hours. It was like 90, 90 something hours. Um, but the game is great. But we're in, I think we're in 2020. So I feel like the the franchise, if if the franchise wants to keep uh, gaining steam, like they could do another RPG. And sell uh, and sell a lot as well, but I feel like if they really want to sell way more, they need to bring it to the next level. And yeah. if they if they give us like a really good combat system that's comprehensive, they give us stealth with a lot of tools and a lot of um, possibilities. Like just thinking of Ghost of Tsushima, and they give us a really good story. Without sacrificing uh, story elements, just because it's an open-world RPG, I think the franchise can just like be uh, truly unique. It can capture new fans. It can recapture old fans, and, and it just can please everyone. Uh, I had this idea, like, oh, bon- like, why doesn't As- like Assassin's Creed could have a light and dark system, for example, like a, like in Splinter Cell. Have you ever played Splinter Cell? I did a little bit as a a kid.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Not so much.
2: (laughs) Basically, like, when you're in the dark, you have a meter that tells you, like, how how visible you are. So you can basically hide in the dark. And, uh... Because, like, when you think about it, uh, not many games do this, but when, when you're out in the world and it's night, usually nights are pretty dark, unless you have an open sky with the moon, uh, lighting, uh, lighting your way but they're pretty dark and i think assassin's creed would be really good with that like being able to take out candles and taking out chandeliers uh for for a room to become really dark and then you can have like oh but how can you see well it's your eagle vision you have a a, your senses are basically um superpowers so you can you can really locate things easily and uh, you can kill your targets in the dark. And if you don't want to do that, sure, just just do the mission at, in the day. And you can you can fight with the guards and whatever. I feel like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities for Assassin's Creed in the future. Yeah, I'm but agree. I just hope you go back to
1: to what made the series unique. I totally agree. Well, I think we've covered quite a lot. To be fair, I've covered quite a lot. It's been great having this discussion with you. I Might call you on Discord after this for a even, <laughs> even more lengthier discussion. I always sure. love talking about it. Assassin's Creed. To be fair,
3: yeah,
1: especially because I, I didn't do a review. I didn't do a review, so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, and that's, that's just about everything. Thanks to anyone who's watching. And thank I'm you. just going to pass you off to my host. But thank you, Locus, and.
0: Yeah, hopefully we can uh, do another podcast sometime soon. Yeah, sure. That would be my prayer. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Now, here finally, I want to thank all of you for watching and listening to episode 16 of The Memory Corridor. And I hope you enjoyed listening to Kyle and Locust cover this topic. To stay up to date on everything happening on The Ones Who Came Before and more things Assassin's Creed, such as occasional AC virtual photography... Links to our, my personal, Kyle's and locust social media pages can all be found in the description below, should you be interested in following any one of us. And as I always say, if anyone has feedback and or topic ideas for future episodes, feel more than free to share it in the comment section below. And while on the subject of future episodes, and now that we have moved into a new year, I can already say now that we're looking to make several great and really interesting episodes for you throughout 2021. So stay tuned for when those roll out. Now once again, Thanks for watching and listening, everyone. I hope to see all of you for the episodes we'll be putting out for the rest of the year. Until those come out, stay safe, everyone, and keep this awesome community what it is. And finally, a massive thanks to Kyle for guest hosting and to Locust for joining us on the show. And with that, another year of the Memory Corridor has been kicked off. Stay safe and active, everyone. See you later, assassins. Peace.